This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good day out there today. Plenty to get to on today's show. Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune columnist, will join me in a little while to talk twins, to talk the Tyler Malley injury, to talk about you know, just kind of where this team stands down the stretch. Some good baseball insights from Lavelle. Got some thoughts from him, too, on Kirk Cousins and the Timberwolves. So look forward to that here in a little bit. Um, Sammy Walker signing with the Wild. We'll get into that for a little while as well. And a big, big, big TV contract for the Big Ten, soon to be the Big 16. Um, we'll get into that as well. But first, what did I miss? Got to start with Deshaun Watson. Um, news Thursday that... The league and Deshaun Watson's side settled on an 11-game suspension, $5 million fine. That's obviously more than what um, the original six-game suspension handed down by an an arbiter uh, earlier this month. But biggest thing to me in all this is that even though this increases the penalty, even though this maybe takes things a little bit further... Does not feel like anybody in this situation has learned a single thing yet. This was obviously a very serious case involving a lot of sexual misconduct allegations from massage sessions for Deshaun Watson. Now, 11-game suspension might seem like a lot, but I don't know if it goes far enough, and I certainly know that I don't like how it looks in the grand scheme of the season. So this is what the NFL didn't learn. If you look at <clears throat> the Browns' schedule this season, 11 games, they've got a bye week. Week 13, they go back to play Houston, Deshaun Watson's former team on the road in Houston. So his first game back, his first game that he will be eligible to play this year will be a return to Houston. Now, I know... The NFL loves its storylines. I know the NFL loves to, you know, have these opening week games that have some drama, some implications. They love to kind of create these these moments. Um, this feels entirely too convenient and staged. That they make that eleven games feels like an entirely, you know, somewhere between arbitrary and fixed um, number of games for them to decide so that he can come back in time to play in that game generate all sorts of interest, all sorts of intrigue going back to Houston. But, you know, those sites, those sorts of things are fine if a player gets traded or signs in free agency or if teams have a, a kind of a grudge against each other because they played in the Super Bowl. Some kind of on-the-field storyline or even some sort of, you know, drama off the field that, that doesn't get into any kind of legal situation, that is totally inbounds for creating some sort of um, some sort of drama. This, however, if this was intentional and it sure feels like it was, uh, that's just disgusting. It's gross to build some sort of moment out of Deshaun Watson's return from a suspension for sexual assault allegations and finding of wrongdoing. Speaking of not learning anything, Deshaun Watson put out a statement on Thursday um, basically saying, I'm grateful the dis- disciplinary process has ended and extremely appreciative of the tremendous support I've received throughout my short time with the Browns organization. I want to apologize again for any pain the situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. And then, a little later on Thursday, he met with the Cleveland media and said he's still 
maintains his innocence. Let's hear right now from Deshaun Watson. Uh, I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone, and I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And uh, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and, and keep pushing forward. And I've always, you know, stood on not disrespecting or sexual assaulting anyone. Okay, what in the world is going on here? I don't know if he's not getting the right kind of coaching or if he's just, you know, lost in his own head, trapped in his own head. But you can't put out that kind of statement. You can't have the allegations that he had and then say, I, I continue to stand on my innocence and saying just because, uh, just because, you know, there was a, you know, a grievance, just because they went through this process doesn't mean that, um, I'm saying I did anything wrong. Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, Brown's co-owner D. Haslam was asked about Watson's comments, and he said, We respect his opinion. I do think in counseling, Deshaun will learn a lot more about himself. Well, I hope somebody learns something at this point, because I don't feel like the Browns have learned much at this point. They are way in on a guy who you know, is going to miss most of this season and doesn't really seem like he has figured this out. They are in a league with the NFL that has set up some sort of gross, you know, comeback story for Deshaun Watson right after he gets off of the suspension. And the player himself doesn't feel like he's grown at all in any of this process. So maybe over the course of the next few months, some growth will take place. But you know what? I am not holding my breath. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Really happy to be joined right now by Lavelle Enil III, columnist at the Star Tribune. Lavelle, I mostly want to talk twins with you today, um, as we often do, and it's the the big team that's in season right now. And interesting developments this week with the twins sweeping the Royals, kind of riding the ship after that tough West Coast trip, especially that you know those last two games against the Angels, which really Seem to seem to set them back, but they seem to have recovered from that. But then the you know the the balancing news on on Wednesday that you know Tyler Tyler Malley, the pitcher they got from the Reds at the deadline, had to leave his start in the third inning. He's got some shoulder stuff going on. They don't seem terribly concerned about it, but uh, how, how concerned would you be right now when when you see a pitcher with a dip in velocity and a guy who right before he got traded did have basically three weeks off for what probably seems like a related, uh, you know, shoulder, you know, fatigue or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's gotta be a little concerning for the twins. And it's unfortunate too, because when the trade was made, uh, you know, uh, Rocco Baldelli talked to the manager of the Reds and the guy was like, you know, he's a horse. He can go deeper in the games. He can go three times through the order. You look at his season. Um, I think he's thrown a hundred pitches like a, a dozen times or third 13 times. Um, pitch it to the seventh inning several times. Um, it's like he'd be that one guy that, that the Twins really could use um, to keep uh, the bullpen out of games because uh, when you have uh, Dylan Monday and Chris Archer in the same rotation, uh, your bullpen's coming in the games in the fifth inning, maybe a little bit earlier. And they needed someone to kind of 
help the bullpen out and, and save the Twins through those those middle innings, which have become a rough spot for them because of starters not going deep enough and not having enough uh, bullpen depth to get through that. So, um, and going forward now, you know, how cautious is Rocco going to be using Molly? Um, if he ends up sitting out a week or two um, and then uh, ramping back up, you know, coming back in September, is Rocco going to allow him to pitch deep? I think he's going to treat Molly like everybody else now. I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, he's going to take him out before 100 pitches and, and limit him to two times through the order, maybe a little bit, maybe go out, go a third time, a couple times, but um, that's not uh, that's not what the Twins signed up for when they made this deal, and it's uh, really unfortunate um, because uh, you like his stuff, you like his demeanor, and uh, it looked like he was a guy who could um, who can give the Twins the innings that they needed. Um, it's really a blow to them, and it's probably going to affect how they use them the rest of the season. So um, that's got to be frustrating on their end. Um, just you know, the latest in the season worth of injuries. I mean, Bailey Ober hasn't pitched since early in the season. And yeah. Josh Weiner has been gone for a few months now. Um, you know, guys who they've probably factored being having some sort of role in the rotation here um, haven't been around So um, because of injury. So and they've had Sonny Gray's been on the DL twice. And um, uh, well, we're talking about the- even Chris, I mean, Chris Paddock, this is kind of like Chris Paddock all over again, where they trade for him before the season starts, and he'd had some problems before, but they were hoping that he could pitch through it, and it ends up that he's out for the year pretty quick after, you know, just making a few starts for them, and then, you know, kind of is a, a little bit of a deja vu from 2019, too, when they got Dyson from the Giants, and, you know, Dyson from the Giants that was a relief pitcher maybe not as a high not as high of a leverage move but he gets hurt right away and, and doesn't pitch for them he's never pitched again in the major leagues so you know th- th- this history of acquiring pitchers that end up having some problems right away has got to be a little bit troubling yeah um, I'm not going to put uh, Molly in the same category with Dyson and and Paddock just yet um, no. with, with Dyson um, you know the Twins the twins smelled a rat on that one and thought that San Francisco held back some information about his condition that they could have used to arrive at a conclusion. I think there's still some sore feelings over that one. Oh, um, Paddock has already had Tommy John surgery once. And um, that's on the twins because uh, other teams have saw his medical records. The Mets were inquiring about Paddock and saw his medical records and said, Nope, we don't want this guy. Twins saw his medical records and said, okay, let's have him." Um, and now Paddock is having has had a second Tommy John surgery, and that's going to be troublesome going forward because the history of pitchers with two Tommy John surgeries is not good. Um, Molly, yeah, he he had to be shut down for three weeks early in the season, but um, you look at his record during the season that it looked like he was healthy as a horse uh, when the trade was made. So I think this one's more of a blind side than the than the other two. Um, so I'm not quite ready. It just seems like it's another. Uh, injury issue in the list of them for the twins um, when it comes to acquisitions and just from developing their own pitchers. Uh, they keep having uh, guys break down on them. It's, it's stopping the progress of, uh, of this pitching organization that uh, Derek Falvey was apparently putting yeah. in order here. Um, it seemed like some of the guys that you know, they drafted the developer about the breakthrough, like Winder and like Ober, um, but the injuries have stopped them. You know, Jordan Balazovic has also had injury history and, and this year, he's just pitching poorly. Um, he had a decent outing yesterday with four innings for the Saints with no runs given up. 
Um, but the word is that he's having trouble keeping the ball down and the stuff is not as crisp as it has been in the past. So they're trying to figure out how to get uh, the back to being the top pitching prospect. He was a couple of years ago. So they've had a bunch of setbacks here. And once again, uh, it, it, it underscores the, the belief that in order to come up with three good starting pitchers, you need to start with a group of 10 because stuff's going to happen to yeah. the other side. Well, as of Thursday afternoon, when we are recording, who's just looking at interesting fan graphs and the twins don't play Thursday. They don't play again until Friday when uh, they start that season series with Texas and then Cleveland and Chicago play each other over the weekend. So obviously someone's going to win there. Someone's going to lose their chance to, you know, make up ground on somebody, but potentially lose ground on somebody else this weekend. Um, interesting fan graphs, you know, does all sorts of projections. They kind of, you know, every, every day they update it. And right now all three of those teams are right around 50% for making the postseason. and the projected win totals of those three teams. As of Thursday afternoon, Cleveland, 84.8 wins, Chicago, 84.7 twins, 84.6. It does not get much tighter than that. And, you know, we've expected that in the division race, probably, for a while now, you know, the twins were had a more comfortable, you know, four or five game lead for a while, but it never felt entirely secure because Cleveland had the pitching and the White Sox always seemed like they were going to make a move at some point. And, and now here we are based on what you've seen from this team right now. Do they have enough to get to the finish line and, and win this division? And, and if so, how are they going to do it? Uh, I still think the twins should win this division. Um, not having a healthy Mally is, is troublesome there um, because that, that gave him a third starter you could rely on. And now you, you're just down to um, you're down to um, Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan. Yeah. Joe Ryan. It was, what happened? What, what's the, what's the phrase again? Uh, Ryan and gray and TBA. Um, yeah. They're back to that now um, with those two guys. Uh, it, it's unfortunate. Um, um, if you tell me if Mally's going to be back in the rotation by September, early September, then I like their chances. I just don't know. Um, from a rotation standpoint, how they can, uh, how they can uh, hang around with just two reliable pitchers here. So that's going to be a problem, but they should, uh, other than that, I mean, they're equipped to win the division. Um, their offense, you know, should be better. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to write a comment about Carlos Correa because he's not playing like a $35 million player. No. Um, uh, you know, Buxton's had trouble making consistent contact. Polanco's had a bad month of uh, August and August is historically, has been his best month uh, of the season. Um, Jose Miranda's propped him up big time, but I still think they should be hitting enough to uh, to to make some of these uh, victories easier to come by. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of that. Um, but the other teams have their flaws too. Uh, Cleveland's offense is hit and miss. Uh, although they got some nice young players, like Stephen Kwan looks like he's going to be a hitter. Um, and uh, Josh Naylor, you know, he's getting through this season after almost, you know, tearing up his leg last year at Target Field. Um, and they've also got they got a decent, reliable pitching foundation. Um, the White Sox, um, you know, I was reading in the paper the other day out of Chicago. They are sitting there talking to themselves about, we, we took this for granted. We thought it would be easy to win this division this year. And uh, we have now played our best baseball. So, um, you know, they've realized that they've, they've been their worst enemy this year. So this division can still be had. All, all three of these teams are definitely flawed, but uh, I, I, st I still think the Twins have what it takes to to, to win it, although I'm, I'm troubled by the development with Tyler Malley. Yeah, that's, that's troublesome indeed. I want to move on to a couple other subjects in a minute here, but one other thing that caught my eye that I looked up on Thursday, 
fascinating to note right now that Emilio Pagan, the much maligned Emilio Pagan, now has a better earned run average than Taylor Rogers does right now. Taylor Rogers fallen off the face of the earth after a great start to the year. He's way down to 4.89 ERA. He's had a bunch of bad, like really just blow up late inning outings. Pagan, not much better at 4.87. But if you look at that trade, all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's, you know, again, you, you know, it's not, it didn't work out great for either team. And, and obviously Rogers got dealt again to the Brewers. But some of these decisions the Twins have made on guys like Taylor Rogers, guys like Jose Barrios, who's having a blow up year in, in, in Toronto, who's given up a ton of home runs, ERA like five and a half. Doesn't seem as I'm not as critical of them maybe as I was at the as the as, as when the moment arrived. Yeah, um, that's what's making these deals not hurt as much because uh, of the performances of, of definitely Rogers. Although Rogers, Rogers always thought would be a good setup guy and just keep him out of the ninth inning, and maybe in that role he'd be a little more effective. But yeah, it's been kind of sh- shocking to see what he's done after I think in April he was just nails. He was, and after that he just went haywire. Um, and Brielle's, you know. Rios touted himself as a as you know an ace in the making and and uh, wanted to be paid like that and and uh, I would have given I think I would have offered to, funny thing, I would have offered Brios a contract and ended up signing with the with the Blue Jays but I don't think the Twins wanted to go there in terms of years of commitment um, but um, you know his ERA has been flirting with five most of the season I think yeah, it's uh, like five the, and a half now the the game he started with the twin against the Twins is one of his best games of the season and he's had trouble duplicating those outings. So um, unfortunately, you know, Austin Martin, the crown jewel of that trade um, has not had a good year at all. Double A with Wichita. He's actually taken a step backward. His walk rates dropped. His batting average has dropped and his extra base of hits have decreased significantly. Simeon Woods Richardson now has passed him as, yeah. you know, um, uh, uh, a quality guy in return for, 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 um, for, for Braille's. Simeon Woods Richardson just was promoted to uh, the Saints here uh, yesterday. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was over actually. I was over at Saints Stadium yesterday when that okay. happened for his for his first day there. So um, yeah, it would it would hurt. It would sting even more. Um, and we're forgetting about. I think Brett Worker went with uh, with the Rogers to the he Padres. Did. I had no idea he was on the Royals roster somehow, and uh, he helped gift the Twins a run. Uh, yesterday, you know, uh, when Tommy Watkins knew he could run at that arm because he didn't stop, he didn't stop waving that. Oh, he did with kind of He knew that he knew you could run a Booker's arm, Rooker's arm. So, um, yeah, these these traits could sting even more if, if some if the guys they gave away were performing better, but uh, they have not. So um, the Twins are dodging a little bit of a bullet there. Couple other things for you, Lavelle. One, the big story out of Vikings on Wednesday was. The return of Kirk Cousins from the COVID list, but also um, getting kind of feisty in these joint practices with uh, with with the uh, with the 49ers. It sounds like he was swearing a little bit. Sounds like during Thursday's joint practices, there was some uh, some mixing it up, some sideline skirmishes, not with Kirk Cousins, but with some of the other players. And, you know, these things will happen. But he added sounded like he added an expletive to his uh, his trademark. You like that. Now, again, this is a guy who's been in the league for a decade. I don't expect him to start anything necessarily all that new but are you buying anything different from Kirk Cousins right now with with Kevin O'Connell in charge and maybe a different offensive approach um not yet I gotta see how it's how the regular season starts and how he performs um but Kurt's he's in a position for him to have a tremendous year um he's got the weapons around him offensively and he's got 
uh, offensive-minded coach instead of Zimmer, um, who was not happy that Cousins was there in the first place because it forced uh, them to, to cut some of his defensive guys the next right. year to balance the books. So I think he always resented he, – he looked at Kurt and always resented the fact that Kurt's presence led to other people's departures that he didn't want to see go. Um, so I want to see how this plays out during the regular season. But it could be a good year for the guy. Um, and he's a football player. You know, I, I, I wasn't necessarily buying this poly purebred persona <laughs> that he tried to um, try to uh, uh, go by, you know, in, in the public. Uh, so we saw a little bit of that other side. So um, but I, I got it. I got to wait and see until uh, regular season starts and we see um, how some of these games go. And we'll, we'll find out, uh, you know, week one, uh, what Kurt's all about and what this offense can do. How's your guy Roquan Smith doing? Uh, I don't know. He's um, he's sitting there thinking he should be one of the highest paid linebackers in the league when he's not one of the best linebackers in the league. He's good, but not great. Um, he's a side to side line tackling machine and um, that he but he does not make splash, splash plays. He doesn't intercept the ball a lot. He doesn't get a lot of sacks. He could be used differently in this scheme. The, the other thing, too, is that he, he's playing to be the middle linebacker in this scheme now. And the Bears aren't sure how he's going to adapt to that switch. So I think that's another reason why they didn't want to give him top dollar. The rumor is they offered him $95 million. How okay. much more does he need? You know? No. So um, I'm a little miffed at War- Roquan because uh, everybody's fired up in practice. Uh, Matt Everfliss is, is, is running some grueling practices and has called out people for dogging it and has held guys accountable like Matt Nagy didn't. And everybody's buying into it. But we got one guy here, you know, who hasn't jumped into the fray, and that's Roquan Smith. Brutal. Brutal. The NFC North could be interesting this year, as can the Western Conference. Maybe I want to get to some Wolves talk with you because the schedule came out Wednesday. Not that that matters a whole lot, but you look at it, and you're like, all right, nine of the first 12 at home. They've got 16 national TV games this year, Lavelle, 16. That, that kind of shows you that they're gaining some of that, uh, some of that uh, juice from, you know, from the national, you know, from, in, in the whole landscape from ESPN, from TNT. You know, after the Rudy Gobert trade, I really look at this team and say this is a team set up to win fifty games or more for a bunch of years in a row. But it's the Wolves, so I still um, it's probably a little bit of wait and see. But this feels like a team that should be competitive and that that should be. You, know, you look at the schedule. You just look at who else is in this conference. Should be maybe a top four seed in the West. Are you buying that? Um, you have not arrived as the NBA team until you get the Christmas Day assignment. So uh, once. The Wolves start appearing Christmas, then I'll buy into the fact that they're a top team. But no, uh, Mike, I, I think that the Wolves should be a 50-win team in each of the next four years here. Um, to build up for that, I think Gobert's presence is really going to do wonders for Cat because now he's going to be freed up to play you know, his in-and-out type of game and not have to worry about guarding the basket or worm protecting all the time, maybe just part of the time. So, um, you know, D'Lo is going to be an issue. Um uh, how he adapts to the system. And that's going to be a challenge on Chris Finch to try to reel him in a little bit and uh, continue to get him to be a two-way player. Um, but I expect this to be a good team. Um, the other thing too, I really like the under the radar signing of Kyle Anderson, the six, nine yeah. kid who played at UCLA. He's going to be a good versatile piece coming off the bench. I think this team's going to be good. I think they go in 50 games uh, and they're, they're definitely ascending up the, uh, up the uh, rankings in terms of reputation in the league here. I like you make a good point because I think a lot of their under the radar signings were good ones, especially Kyle Anderson. They made a couple other kind of edge moves like Bryn Forbes, just guys who, you know, they've replaced some of their more expensive, 
bench players and more expensive role players with you know with guys who are you know more that veteran minimum and guys might start maybe they kind of want to play here now because they realize this is a team that should be set up to win and that has not been the case in the last uh i don't know 15 or so years no and the wolves are going to keep pushing forward here you know uh alex rodriguez told me he says we want to be first class in everything we do so they're going to try to uh continue to climb the charts here and and, and add on to what they got. Um, I'm a little stunned by their their assi- their uh, hiring of the announcer because I thought they would go after a more of a seasoned, uh, accomplished voice. The rumor was that uh, they had Gus Johnson on their yeah. wish list as a home run hire, but uh, they went the opposite direction. They got the sideline reporter from the Brooklyn, uh, last name is Grady. I can't remember his first name. Michael right? Grady, yeah. Michael Grady is coming over from uh, Brooklyn. That's where he's mostly a sideline reporter. Did some play-by-play duties when he was filling in for Ian Eagle, who's one of the best in the business. Um, so it should be pretty uh, interesting to see how, and watch how he sails in into the bit here. So, but um, we can continue to see changes with this organization that we hadn't seen, you know, as recently as two or three years ago. Always first class, Lavelle Neil the Third on daily delivery. Lavelle will check in again soon. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. A couple of postscripts to that excellent conversation with Lavelle E. Neal III. One, Tyler Malley had an MRI on Thursday. Everything came back okay, (coughs) which is probably as expected. He had had an MRI in July with the Reds, and that too showed that there was no structural damage. So we'll see. Um, His next start is scheduled for Tuesday in Houston, but Twins not confirmed yet he'll make that start. Just reading right now from Phil Miller's story so we'll see we'll see if it's just a little bit of rest if he needs to miss a start or two if he doesn't miss a start at all if things get better we will see but the fact that this has come up the fact that he had to leave that start in the third inning is certainly concerning in and of itself also I wrote on Thursday about the problems of Taylor Rogers and Jose Barrios so of course Jose Barrios had one of his better starts of the year for the Blue Jays they beat the Yankees nine to two Barrios improves to 9-5 and five on the season, 6.2 innings, 6 hits, 2 runs, only one of them earned, 1 walk, 9 strikeouts, more of the Barrios the Jays are hoping to get. Lowered his ERA only, though, to 5.39. Still a pretty rough year for Jose Barrios. He's been touched up for a lot of home runs, did not give up a home run in that game. So um, good for Jose. Interesting for Twins fans to kind of monitor that, just kind of the what-ifs of it. And because the Blue Jays are a wild card contender if that's what it comes down to for the Twins. But a good start from Jose Barrios um, as they as as the Blue Jays routed the Yankees, who are somehow struggling mightily since the All Star break. Let's get into the massive TV contract for the Big Ten, the massive media rights deal, seven billion dollars, um, splitting up the football. You know, seven years, seven billion dollar media rights deal. Fox, CBS, and NBC. We'll all have Big Ten games kind of slotted in at the various time slots, you know, 11 o'clock, 2.30, and prime time during college football season, which goes into effect in 2023. So that's even a year before USC and UCLA get in. Um, you know, Gophers are going to eventually get basically double what they get right now from media rights, could up, get up to $100 million in a year in media rights at a certain point here. But, you know, I think the coolest thing for the Big Ten is going to be that kind of that clean sweep of Saturday, having you know having the uh, the the Fox game at 11 a.m., the CBS game at 2:30, and then the NBC primetime game. Uh, that's going to give them. You know, I think people have commented on this already. Kind of give them kind of an NFL style feel almost, where you've got that whole day 
covered on national television prime games. Um, so that's going to be a pretty cool thing for the Big Ten when that starts in 2023. Um, might be a little bit harder to watch basketball. I'm going to have to watch out for that because some of those games are going to be on Peacock. It's a streaming service. You'd have to pay. Uh, that to be that be an additional uh, additional uh, service there. So we'll see what kind of impact this has. But uh, massive money we're talking about. You know, the money's been in college sports for a long time. It's been in in TV rights deals a long time. But this number seven billion dollars over seven years takes things to another level, especially for the Big Ten. So what that impact has on the Gophers and the Big Ten um, can only mean kind of an escalation of this you know, arms race, this era of big, big spending in college sports. And I will be curious to see how much of that makes its way back to the players. Speaking of college sports, let's finish with the Coolers. Sammy Walker, Gophers Hockey, signing with the Wild. Sammy Walker was a seventh-round pick a while back of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but did not sign with Lightning. Um, Ended up being a college free agent, signing with the signing with the hometown wild so pretty cool news for sammy walker pretty cool for the wild he was a captain with the gophers it's a two-year uh two-year contract with with the gophers um he said or with with the wild i'm sorry said uh reading from the star tribune story definitely was a little stressful but definitely super exciting at the same time uh walker said i'm just super pumped to be able to sign with the hometown team walker originally from edina could have come back for another year of eligibility because of the COVID um, year of eligibility granted to everybody, but sounds like he was ready to move on with his career, and he will be doing that with the Wild organization. That will do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed all of the shows this week. Have a great weekend. We'll be back at it again on Monday.